0: everyone, welcome to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We invite you to join our mission to love like Jesus, and you can connect with us on social media or visit our website, csvineyard.org. Now for this week's talk, brought to you by co-lead pastor, Amos Grunendijk. Good morning, everybody. Merry Christmas. Thanks for coming. Uh, why don't you open up your Bibles to Daniel chapter 9? Okay, see, I thought that was funny. Merry Christmas, open your Bibles to Daniel chapter 9. But I guess I have a very specific sense of humor. Uh, Let me tell you why it's funny. (laughs) There's two reasons. One thing is that uh, you wouldn't expect to hear uh, teaching on the book of Daniel the week before Christmas, so that's kind of strange, but I think we'll bring it together. The other reason it's funny is because I finished the Daniel series like a month ago, but we just keep going. I keep thinking we're done and then we're not done. So, uh, truly, I'm glad you came. My name is Amos. Um, it's, it's good to be together and I'm not, I, I, I wanna say hello to the people who are watching on the live stream after the fact because you're watching the World Cup, I get it. It's fine. Um, so, some of you already know this, but we have, now become owners of a minivan can I get a little yeah (laughs) get a little love we have we have crossed that threshold it's a new stage of life one of the perks of a minivan is that uh you know we can fit the car seats in it that we need but it also means if we're going somewhere uh with more than just our immediate family we can like put a few friends in with us and so uh We, me, Tim, and the kids went to Longwood, I think it was a week or a week and a half ago, and so we're all riding together, and uh, of course, if you have a group of, let's see, there was two, four, four, well, we only took four of the kids. If you have a group of four kids and you're driving somewhere, what is it that they want about 10 minutes into the drive? They get... Hungry. They say I'm hungry. I want a snack. Give me a snack. And I love what Tim said. Uh, he just said, "Guys, it's actually it's good to be hungry sometimes." And you, you, guys, you know, you know, Tim's a doctor, so I, I don't, I don't know if that was like official medical advice, <laughs> but uh, I think for sure it has something to do with the formation of character. Uh, it's good to be hungry sometimes. And I just think, wow, that is profound uh, to hear as we prepare our hearts for Christmas. Because at Christmas, we look forward to, like, presents, uh, but we have to wait for them, right? And we, (laughs) this is great. This, I couldn't have planned this better. Thank you. okay. Mikael, sorry. Oh, man. My bad. My brain. Not, we're on all the cylinders today. Anyway, so uh, we're waiting to celebrate the birth of Jesus, but we're also remembering that we are awaiting his return. So Advent means coming, and uh, we live after the first coming of Jesus, but anticipate his second coming. He came uh, about 2,000 years ago in the form of a helpless, vulnerable baby, Uh, but when he comes again, it'll be in power, and everybody will notice. Not everybody noticed. In fact, almost nobody noticed the night that jesus was born a few shepherds uh like some magi kind of were on their way they saw a star they were anticipating the coming of a king and then of course the angels knew right uh from from the heavenly perspective everybody noticed from the spiritual in the spiritual realm like nobody missed the birth of jesus but uh, from the human side almost nobody noticed And so it's good to be hungry. We find ourselves in a time of waiting. And so the reason uh, that I think Daniel is provocative and profound is because Daniel too finds himself waiting for a Messiah. So Messiah uh, is a word that comes up in the Bible a lot, especially in prophecy. And then again, it's all over the New Testament, but you probably don't notice it if you don't know that the Greek word for Messiah is Christ. So every time you read Jesus Christ, you're actually being reminded that Jesus is the Messiah. Messiah means anointed one or king. And so Jesus is the anointed one, the one promised, the king that everybody was waiting for. And Daniel finds himself in a place of captivity. And so Israel had been conquered uh, at the point of our text here in Daniel chapter 9. About 70 years prior, and he's taken away from his home, away from his family, away from his culture, and dropped into a pagan city. And they had a very specific and aggressive strategy to brainwash all of the captives in Babylon. So they were after their minds, their beliefs, their thoughts, but also their hearts. They were trying to train the the people of Israel's desires to want the things to love the things uh, like the Babylonians wanted and loved things, uh, worldly things, wealth and power and sex. And, uh, you you know, you can understand why these things would be attractive or alluring. And so 70 years after Daniel's taken away, he's been faithful. He's risked his life at times uh, to maintain his values and beliefs, but also to serve uh, the Babylonians. And then after the Babylonians are defeated by the Persians, he's serving like King Cyrus and King Darius. Um, but but he, he's reading Jeremiah the prophet, who is a contemporary, but probably dead at this point, And Jeremiah says it's going to be 70 years. So like about 70 years later, Daniel is thinking, oh, is it time now for the Kingdom of Israel, God's people to be restored, for the temple to be rebuilt, uh, and for there to be freedom. And so he goes and he prays. And so just as as we have been talking about what it means to be exiles, to be in a place where, like the cultural values don't necessarily match uh, our our Beliefs, our faith, the way that Jesus calls us to live. Like, love your enemies is not in any of the political rhetoric, rhetoric that I hear, for instance. Uh, be generous with your money, give your money away kind of pushes against the buy more stuff for yourself, especially this time of year, right? Uh, we've been talking about how to intersect with culture. Today, we're going to talk about what it looks like to live in a time of waiting. Uh, As it relates to our own hearts and as it relates to like how we interact with God. And so if you guys would just stand with me, if you have your Bibles and they're open, you can read along. We'll be starting at verse three. This is Daniel's prayer. So in this time of waiting, in this time of anticipation, in this time of God, where are you? We need a savior we want freedom we want to be restored daniel goes to god in prayer and he says in verse three so i turned to the lord god and pleaded with him in prayer and fasting and i also wore rough burlap and sprinkled myself with ashes i prayed to the lord my god and confessed oh lord you are great and awesome God.'" You always fulfill your covenant and keep your promises of unfailing love to those who love you and obey your commands. But we have sinned and done wrong. We have rebelled against you and scorned your commands and regulations. We have refused to listen to your servants, the prophets, who spoke on your authority to our kings and princes and ancestors and to the people of the land. Now jump over to verse 18. It's right across the column there. Verse 18. Oh, my God. Lean down and listen to me. Open your eyes and see our despair. See how your city, the city that bears your name, lies in ruins. We make this plea not because we deserve help, but because of your mercy. O oh Lord, hear. O oh Lord, forgive. O oh Lord, listen and act. For your own sake, do not delay, O oh my God, for your people and your city bear your name. And so let's pray. Uh, come, Holy Spirit. We ask that you would meet us in this time of waiting, uh, as we like long for your kingdom to come, as we need salvation, as we... Uh, ask for your presence to sustain us. I pray that the words that we hear today would fill us, uh, that we would find strength in them because, uh, because of you. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can have a seat. So again, we find ourselves waiting. We find ourselves, just like Daniel, waiting for salvation, waiting for the world to be made right. Um, and, and to be in this place of waiting means that we're hungry, too, for something more. If, if you are someone who says, oh, I'm completely satisfied, the world is as it should be. Um, I would not call that contentment, as Paul says, like, I, I, I'm content in all things. I would say that you're living in an alternate reality <laughs> uh, because the world is not as it should be. Like, there's all kinds of injustice. If you are totally satisfied with your life, I would say that your desires are far too weak because we were made for something more beautiful. We were made to be whole and uh, like in perfect relationships with each other and with our God. And that is not where we live now. I had a friend who uh, was reflecting on Advent and wrote these words, and I found them to be helpful. Um, Hope, longing, grief, joy, sorrow, darkness, light ache, waiting. Powerful words mixed together. It seems as though Advent always has more to teach me about what it looks like to live in a world in which these things are inextricably bound together. Hope, longing, grief, joy, sorrow, darkness, light, Ache and waiting, and so Daniel gives us some words, uh, some, some, a, a prayer to be more specific, to pray as we find ourselves in waiting, and and he he takes on I mean a few aspects to this prayer that I think are worth um, rooting ourselves in in this time of Advent. And so the first thing he does is he actually orients his attention toward God and sings his praises or praise his praises, as the case may be here. Oh, Lord, you are great and awesome. You always fulfill your covenant or promises uh, of unfailing love to those who love you and obey your commands. So first he begins with praise, a reminder of who God is. And then he goes into confession And this is not like our normal state, right? Like, God, where are you? Do something. Uh, We don't necessarily automatically go to a place of, um, well, I've actually, I need to do some reorientation. Like, I need my heart to turn. And that's what it really means to confess or to repent. And he repents not just for himself. Again, this is super profound. He, He repents on behalf of his people. So what would it look like as we repent, as we confess, as we say, I've screwed up, to make it we've screwed up? And when we see something on the news where there's a scandal in a church, for instance, or uh, something that's happened because of one of our political leaders to say, oh, God, forgive us. Like, I actually, I'm part of this system. I'm part of this family. I'm part of this people. I'm part of this nation. Lord, we are sorry because we know that the church has things that it needs to confess as sin. Just as each of us individually has things that we have to confess if you've, you know, gotten out of bed and done anything with your life today. <laughs> like there's, there's, uh, there's things we've done or there's things we haven't done that we need to put words to and say, God, I am sorry and I turn back to you. So in a time of waiting, in a time of pain, there is reorientation toward God in both praise and confession. And then intercession. So this is a big word that basically says, God, do stuff. He says, oh, God, lean down and listen to me. Open your eyes and see our despair. See how your city, the city that bears your name, and we are his people, the people who bear his name. like we lie in ruin, like things are not okay. We make this plea not because we deserve help, but because of your mercy. This is a reminder that like God is a God of grace and we do not get in good with God because of how good we are, but because of how good he is. And so there is this crying out. There is a lament. There is a, this Is not right, and then there is a a call for God to act. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, listen and act. For your own sake, do not delay. O my God, for your people and your city, bear your name. And so in the language that we have, because we can look back and see Jesus, the Messiah, the King who has come, uh, our prayer becomes uh, the prayer that he teaches us to pray. Let your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then the prayer that we hear at the end of the Bible, at the end of Revelation, come quickly, Lord Jesus. And so if you find yourself in a place of waiting, one of the ways to endure, one of the ways to stay above water is to hang on to God. And not just whatever you want, God, but like with cries for help, with cries for his kingdom to come and for his return to be quick. That is how we wait. And so I'm going to read a couple other passages from Daniel today. Uh, This first passage is the prayer. We will then look at a, uh, a vision given to him by Gabriel. Interesting that it's Gabriel because if you know the Christmas story, Gabriel is the one who appears to Mary uh, and says there's, like, the Messiah is coming and you're going to give birth to him. And here we have the promise of the Messiah's first coming, uh, the birth of Jesus, although they don't know exactly what it will look like because even Daniel has a certain set of expectations of what will happen. And then at the end of Daniel, we'll see actually the the promise of the second coming of the return. And so in this time of Christmas, we have the prayer that we pray, the prayers that we pray, uh, and the waiting that we do, uh, but then also the hope, the hope that is rooted in what is now our past, Jesus' life ministry, death and resurrection, and our future, um, when heaven breaks through and God's kingdom comes fully. And so this is where things can get a little bit strange uh, in Daniel, because when you get into numbers, nobody really knows what's going on, uh, and he doesn't give like this many years. He's, he's always, well, we'll just read verse 24, uh, if you have your Bibles open still, chapter nine, a period of 77, 70 sets of seven. Oh, this is like fox and socks. You guys know that one? Let's see how fast I can read this without getting my tongue tied. A a period of 70 sets of seven has been decreed for your people and your holy city to finish their rebellion. So Daniel thinks, oh, it's going to be 70 years, and God says, actually, uh, you thought the wait was over, but the wait has just begun. 70 sets of seven has been decreed for your people and your holy city to finish their rebellion, to put an end to their sin and to atone for their guilt to bring in everlasting righteousness and to confirm the prophetic vision and to anoint the most holy place. And so in this picture of the coming Messiah, uh, there's, there's this element of atonement, of redemption, of the end of sin and the beginning of righteousness that the Messiah will bring, which is uh, pretty amazing given that the Former frame of reference is that atonement happens through like sacrificing animals on an altar. No, now we know that it comes with the coming of Messiah. So now listen and understand. Here we go again 70 sets of seven plus 62 sets of seven will pass from the time the command is given to rebuild Jerusalem until a ruler, the anointed one, there it is, the Messiah comes. Jerusalem will be rebuilt with streets and strong defenses despite the perilous times. After this period, here's another one, 62 sets of seven, the anointed one will be killed. That's unexpected. Like standing from the vantage point of Daniel and the hope of Israel, the idea that the Messiah who's supposed to set up this everlasting kingdom, that he will rule um, with like, justice and authority, And he will be called the Prince of Peace and Mighty God and Everlasting Father. You know, if you know that. You guys have heard Handel's Messiah, right? Okay. Like this was supposed to be glorious. This was supposed to be powerful. This was supposed to be uh, Israel's restoration. It says the anointed one will be killed, appearing to have accomplished nothing. And a ruler will arise whose armies will destroy the city and the temple woe. At that point, people had put their hope in the rebuilding of a city and rebuilding of a building. And it says, at the promised time, the Messiah will come and he will be killed. And it will appear as if he accomplishes nothing. And in fact, those things that you were hoping for, those dreams that you had, they were your dreams, not God's dreams. All that stuff that you thought was most important, the city and the temple, it's going to get flattened. And that happens by the Romans, like a few decades after Jesus is killed. And from a worldly perspective, he accomplished nothing. So he starts to gather people. There's the beginning of a movement. And then he is betrayed and killed by the religious leaders who should have known that he was the Messiah, and instead viewed his power as a subversive threat. And so they have him murdered and hung on a cross. And it looks like it's over. And yet from the spiritual realm, from a spiritual vantage point, just as the birth was unnoticed, the death seems like defeat. The death of Jesus seems like failure. But from the cosmic perspective, everything Has changed because now we have the forgiveness of sins and now we have the defeat of death and now we have the overthrow of like Satan the accuser who just wants to destroy us and separate us from God like we know from where we stand that Jesus death actually accomplishes everything even though even his closest friends standing around watching the Messiah die thought that it had all come to nothing. And so we have this picture of Jesus coming, atoning for sin, and dying. Now, flip over a few pages to 912. Daniel... Um, again, at this point, has been faithful for decades and decades under intense pressure. He was expecting a triumphant sal- salvation, uh, a, a restoration of Israel, and it's it's interesting because, in a way, at this point in history, many of the like people of Judah have been sent back, but it's not their hopes haven't totally been fulfilled. And so even for Daniel, there's like an already not yet, like many of the captives have been set, sent back. He doesn't get sent back, maybe because he's too valuable to the empire, maybe because he's just too old to make the journey. We don't actually know, but there's this, our hopes have begin to, begun, it seems to be fulfilled and yet not fully realized, like where we sit, like we see, like we can experience real peace, but not perfect peace. We can experience real joy, but not perfect joy, because real peace and real joy is reserved for the second coming of Jesus when we believe that, like, all people will be resurrected. And we actually find this in here in Daniel 12. So I think this is pretty cool. Um, It says, at that time, the Michael, the archangel, who stands guard over your nation, will arise, and then there will be a time of great anguish. Ooh, my a time of anguish greater than any since nations first came into existence. But at that time, every one of your people whose name is written in the book will be rescued. Many of those whose bodies lie dead and buried will rise up, right? This is the resurrection at the end of days, on the day of judgment. It says, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting disgrace. Those who are wise will shine as bright as the sky, and those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever. And if you jump over to verse 10, there's uh, some more more strange phrases like time and half a time in there, so we're just going to skip that. Verse 10, many will be purified, cleansed, and refined by these trials but the wicked will continue in their wickedness and none of them will understand. Only those who are wise will know what it means. As for you, Daniel, as for you, go your way until the end. You will rest, which means you will die. And then at the end of the days, you will rise again to receive the inheritance set aside for you. So, Daniel, the messenger is saying, uh, "You will be faithful. keep being faithful, and then you will die. Like in a sense, you've been waiting for the restoration of Israel, and you won't and you won't see it in this life. like you will not see your f- hopes fully realized, you will not see Your dreams come true until after you pass through the gates of death. But that's not the end of the story. The end of the story is that you will be brought back to life. You will be resurrected just like, well, he doesn't know it, but we know. Just like Jesus is resurrected, is given a new body, is given an everlasting place in heaven. That's your future too, Daniel. for now go back to work keep praying keep serving keep loving but I've given you what you need to be sustained I have given you a vision of the ultimate future and I think this is important uh, for us to realize what our ultimate direction and destination is because sometimes when we get discouraged we think oh man it's all downhill from here Oh, man, what hope is there for the world or for me, for that matter? Because, you know, my body is in decline. My mind is in decline. Um, Even in ways, it seems like I might be losing the battle of refinement, uh, which is kind of like part of God's project, like to be made holy, what some people call sanctification. Like God is, is... patient with us and so as we wait he's doing something in our hearts but it doesn't always feel like god is doing something in fact it feels sometimes like god isn't doing anything uh in me even let alone in the world but have you ever have you ever walked a field in the early spring after planting i know If you're a farmer, you have. It looks like for days and days and days that nothing is happening. It looks like a barren field. And if you didn't know what was coming, you might despair. You might walk away. But under the ground, there's millions and millions of seeds that are beginning to break through. There's life and there's hope below the surface. It appears like nothing, and yet the reality is is that everything is about to change. And I, I can actually see your future, guys. If you've, if you've turned toward Jesus, if you've said, I receive your grace, I can see your future. Those who are wise will shine as bright as the sky. And those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever. That's your future. I can see it. That's the trajectory of your life, no matter how hard relationships are for you right now, no matter how much pain you have in your body, no matter how much sadness and grief you've walked through in this past season. I can see a future where Jesus returns and your dreams come true. Well, maybe God's dreams for you. (laughs) Because just like Israel, we can get really wound up in what we think we need and what we think is best for us and what uh, we think our hearts are made for. And yet our hearts are like ever wandering, ever restless, always trying to find something to grab onto to give us life. But you know, you know we were made for life with God. And so let's pray. Oh, God, thank you for meeting us. We actually have something better than Daniel had, better than an angelic messenger. We have your spirit to sustain us, to strengthen us, to carry us through. We have, we have your perfect image in the person of Jesus. And so make Jesus real to us today. We ask that, God, you would speak to us as we worship. As we sing songs to you, we ask that we would be attentive and be able to hear the words that you want to speak to us. And so come Holy Spirit, Come quickly, Lord Jesus. And let your kingdom come. We wait for you. And so come quickly. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We hope you share this with your friends and family and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.